Hello and welcome to the Mobile Home Park Expert Podcast. I'm Jason Sroden, joined by my good friend and mobile home park expert, Glenn Esterson. Glenn, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really damn excited. I'm leaving tomorrow for a vacation. <laughs> I know you're going to be going to uh, the lovely land of Europe and uh, you're going to have a great time. And, and uh, I'm glad that you got a little time with us today because We've been getting a lot of comments I've noticed from, you know, the the folks who own one park, who it's been in their family for generations and a lot of questions around succession planning. Um, some of their kids want to do it. Some of them don't. You know, they don't know what they want to do. They don't want to pay taxes if they get money. They want to figure out how to keep income. So I thought... Maybe it'd be cool if we started devoting a little bit of what we're talking about to those special cases. So today, I thought we should talk about succession for, we'll call it the mom and pop trailer park homeowners or mobile home park owners. I love it. I think it's a great idea. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a topic that, you know, we deal with all the time. You know, it's uh, one, of, one of our common objections from a lot of sellers about, you know, about that old exact issue succession legacy what the hell am i going to do next what will be on taxes um you know all that kind of stuff comes into play there's a lot of emotion and then there's also just a lot of you know actual literal family planning and succession planning about how this is going to go because some of these guys got themselves into a, a park in a very good location that is now worth a tremendous amount of money compared to where they started and um you know, yeah. it's, it's often, it's, it's often, you know, it's, uh, it's a very emotional piece that has to get solved with this because a lot of these guys grew up in those parks or developed those parks from, you know, from scratch 60 years ago. And, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting, um, owner to speak with, uh, in those situations. And it requires a completely different mindset, um, you know, to, to have the, the right discussions with guys like that. So I'm an owner. I, I've had a park for 40 years and, you know, I've seen the economy go through highs and lows. We just went through another high. Now it looks like we're in a dip. I don't know how much longer I want to ride that train. What are the steps I need to take to start thinking about it? Like, you know, how yeah. am I going to survive after this? I'm 56 years old. You know, I, I'm trying to set up like who, the, am I giving a good description of who this person is who owns the park and the things that they're thinking about? Yeah, probably. You know, I mean, some of the guys we deal with, you know, the, some of them are in the 80s and, you know, even the 90s. I think the 93 was my oldest client so far. And, um, you know, it's, Depending on the generation that's in the ownership position of it, you know, there's a different, there's a different set of emotions and a different set of, of needs that you know go into you know into these things. Like a a, a guy who's maybe you know young in his fifties or sixties, um, still might feel like they have another 10, 15, 20 years ahead of them, you know, uh, work wise. A guy in his nineties probably isn't having that same you know thought, um, but. You know, what What I tend to have the discussion about is, yes, you're correct, you know, like like this is an asset that is that is important and that, you know, we want to plan correctly and we don't, you know, want to 
leave a bad taste in your mouth by giving up a good thing and not being able to find another thing. Um, and because that's, that tends to be a lot of what guys worry about is what, what would I do next? You know, um, and how would I replace this income that I'm getting from this thing? So it, <clears throat> it becomes more of really about goal setting at that point and then trying to carve a solution that fits to that, that goal. Maybe their goal is to, uh, uh, you know, sell it and get all the money in the world and, you know, get on a boat and go fishing the rest of their life. Okay. So, but they'll still need money afterwards and they don't want to pay the taxes. And how do we come up with a plan that works for everyone involved? And sometimes it's not the right time to sell. Like right now, you know, if you got a premium property and you think you have another five or 10 years in you, you probably don't want to sell right now because it is going to not. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Glenn, but let's let, let's pause for a second. I want to know the the taxes, all that, the money. How do you make, is there a way to make income flow if you sell it? Like, how do I avoid taxes? Let's get to the nitty gritty of it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some simple solutions and some more complicated solutions. You know, a very simple solution, which in my opinion is, you know, one of the better solutions, especially as, as you kind of get towards the end of your investment cycle with, you know, this generational park and you're looking at the exit, Oh, you know, maybe you're making a million dollars a year in NOI or something on the park, you know, and, and maybe you're looking for, you know, 18, $20 million, something like that in, in, in a sale price. But right now with, interest rates the way that they are, you know, it would be damn near impossible for a leveraged buyer uh, to be able to hit that $20 million plus or minus type of value. So you as a seller can can understand that, you know, you have a, a possibility here, more than likely you own it free and clear. And, you know, more than likely you can step into the position of the bank and retain a good bit of control on the deal and get a maximum amount of cash flow uh, through interest payments, you know, as uh, as a first position note holder, uh, you know, like what a bank does and how a bank makes money. And so using, you know, I was working on a deal the other day and it, it actually is kind of what's prompting some of, uh, of the thought here is, you know, the, the, the park was, uh, I think this was a portfolio, but the same theory applies, uh, plus or minus $18 million with a million dollar NOI. And, you know, the, the owner has a, an opportunity to charge seven or 8% interest, uh, on this loan interest only for a few years and recoup about $800,000 of, uh, a cash flow. Okay. And still get a substantial down payment, of course, you know, 30, 40%, whatever it ends up being. Um, so for this seller, this could be uh, a nice way to uh, uh, stop some of the headaches that come with operating a park because now he's been able to step back into the bank's position and be very passive. Uh, but still retain maybe 80%, 70% of uh, what he was making before with all of that work he had to do for it, you know. Um, and it will help 
mitigate some of the taxes, uh, you know, based off of whatever his step-up basis is going to be and however taxes work, you know, uh, he, he or they may be able to, defer, you know, defer some of that tax because it's an owner finance position where they haven't been fully charged the taxes on the sale because they haven't, you know, uh, uh, taken possession of, of the funds for it. So, you know, there's a lot of ways that way can mitigate it. And in my opinion, that way it works really well. Plus, it will help you buy more time to figure out the succession, you know, on what you want to do. If it's a long-term note or if it's a short-term note, you know, you might need to plan differently. Uh, but it would give you and your family time to kind of decide what to do with that cash flow from those notes and what to do after that, after that note is called and how to plan and buy you a few more years. Like right now, we're we're heading into a down market, right? So every single day that goes by, presumably, if you haven't improved your revenues, your park is becoming worth less because interest rates every day are climbing. And that's working directly against your yield in the valuation process for us to give you a big number because we have to be able to provide a substantial yield for buyers at any given point in time. And that's, you know, usually something around a 15 to 20% IRR. So through owner financing, even in a down market, you can still engineer a return for a buyer that gives you, like I said, 70, 80 something percent of what you were making before. And you have nice parameters you can put into uh, these owner finance notes, you know, uh, financial parameters, quality control parameters, occupancy parameters, all these kind of things before you're, additional calls on the note have to be paid down. Um, so from, from a succession standpoint, I think it checks all the boxes. You know, I know some sellers when they want to get out, they, they just want to be done. They don't want to hold a paper. They just want to be done. And what do they do? You know, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a whole different solution to have to solve. Um, and yet some of the results kind of have to be the same with, you know, they need cash flows and they need, uh, you know, some succession planning and stuff like that. Um, so maybe a 1031 would be a good option for them. But of course, they're going to have to do, uh, you know, buying a, a, a anything in, in today's market is, is a little riskier today than it was, you know, maybe before, because you have to see that we're going likely going to be taking some air out of the balloon in where we've been at in, in our market. And maybe they're done with mobile home parks and they want to do retail and they, they would have to jump you know, into a whole new asset class that, you know, they may or may not understand. So a 1031 is a great solution. It, it saves you the taxes and it replaces your income and gives you a cash flowing asset that can grow in value. Um, and it's, you know, if you do it right, if you buy a triple net or something like that, it can be very passive. Um, but it also might not be the right solution because you're under the gun time-wise and we're heading into a down market. So you might worry that you're overpaying as compared to what maybe you could buy it for in a year. Um, of course, there, there's the solution of pay the tax man, you know, have a good accountant and help you solve as much of things as you can and then go pay your taxes. Hopefully you have, you know, some depreciation and stuff you're, you're able to offset with. But uh, a lot of these mom and pop owners that have, you know, own these parks for 20 plus 30 plus years, um, 
they, they've often run out of depreciation. So they, they get kind of hit on pretty hard on the taxes. But paying the tax man is not the worst thing. Getting out free and clear is not the worst thing. Uh, but if you're a seller in the next, I would say, two to three years, you know, you, you should probably strongly consider selling today. You know, whether you cut a deal straight with the buyer directly and all that stuff or whether you go hire every professional out there. I would say today is a better price and better terms than you're going to see in the next, call it six to 36 months. Um, I think we're going to probably see some, um, you know, some, some pressure on pricing, unfortunately, Uh, you know, or fortunately, I mean, it's just, uh, it's how these things work out. Interest gets more expensive. Your park becomes worth less and less. If I have, a succession internally with my family. And I think that that's going to be easy. Are there any challenges that you've ever heard of like internal transfers, like government holdups, anything that people should be aware of, like on a transfer to a family member? Oh, that's a really tough question. Some of it might be state by state because I'm not familiar with every state, but uh, you know, in, when title transfers in many states, the tenants have to have plenty of notice, and that you know that that can trigger a whole series of things. You know, we we're doing a deal in Vermont where um, it, it, the, the mom and pop is selling, and the tenants you know have a, a, a an opportunity to buy that park, and they spent you know I think he he had to give some substantial amount of notice to the tenants and they jammed them up for, for a while and then ultimately weren't able to buy it. Uh, and then it goes to the market for sale. Colorado has even more strict requirements and, you know, I'd be caution, you know, I, I would caution an owner in any state that has, you know, uh, notification requirements with title transfer to really discuss it with their attorney and figure out, you know, what they can and can't do and how, to time the deal as appropriately as possible. Um, some states like North Carolina, uh, you, you can do it. Nobody can raise a fuss about it. You know, it's, it is what it is. Some states are non-disclosure states like uh, like Wyoming and Montana and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, probably wouldn't trigger things there. But again, I would talk with your attorneys and always check that stuff out. Um, you know, it, what ends up happening a lot of times is is the kids see how hard the park is and they've seen how hard their dad and granddaddy worked at the parks. And, you know, they they grew the kids have grown up in a different era. And the kids, you know, these these kids might be 30, 40 you know, years old, but they've grown up differently than how their parents grew up. And they probably many of the times don't have the appetite to deal with you know, uh, taking over their granddad's dream or their father's dream. They often, you know, and if they do take it over, maybe a lot of times it gets mismanaged and you have a, you know, a a less awesome park after, you know, five, 10 years because it hasn't been handled as meticulously as the father or the grandfather might have tended to it. Um, And then then you're really losing value there. I mean, CapEx is expensive and you have to keep up with it. You don't, it degrades your park over time. You know, that obviously is going to affect your valuation as well. Um, You know, so the kids taking over the park, I see more and more that that's not typically what happens. And that's what's kind of causing 
the issue of worrying about succession and what to do next and all that kind of stuff with the, you know, the, the more legacy owners, you know, the leg- the guys who have been here for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you know, uh, running and operating and building their park. And, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see play out. It's unfortunate. We won't get to see too much, uh, new generational stuff happening like that because, you know, the governments for most municipalities still don't give us the zoning and you're not having, you know, a whole new generation building parks like, uh, you know, like they did back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's it, it's what makes, it's one of the things that makes our asset class very valuable is the, the supply demand, you know, uh, curve that's in there and it's heavily in the favor uh, of, uh, of a park owner and, and very heavily in the favor of a legacy park owner who's got, you know, 200 plus lots near a major urban kind of area that's fairly stabilized and, you know, pretty park and all that kind of stuff. Uh, those things right now, you know, some of those deals almost defy what the market, you know, the general market would tell you about uh, pricing. Because, you know, if you have a trophy asset that's been in the family for the whole time, that thing can be worth a tremendous amount. We just did one for a guy in Pennsylvania that, you know, we sold at a three and a half cap plus or minus. I think it ultimately closed at like about a four cap or a 3.9 cap. And, you know, that was a, a tremendous win for this this particular mom and pop seller that we did that for, and it provided enough yield for the trophy buyer, and it was a perfect fit for for his portfolio. You know, so each one of those type of uh, owners and parks, you know, you really want to have a, a how would you say it? You know, a, a clever uh, scope in how you're approaching what that owner wants to do and what is the best fit as a solution for them. And you got to get kind of out of the box because it's not always just a, Oh, let's, you know, listen and take it to market and see what the market says. Cause that's not always the best solution for the owner, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's unique. It's interesting. And, you know, there's, um, you know, I know a, a fair amount of these guys that are out there that I talk to that just, you know, I just don't know what to do and, and you try and help and it's like such a, an emotional tie to these things that you know they, they just have a hard time like letting go of it and i can completely respect and understand that i i know how they can help ease those fears and the questions by calling you or someone on your team at 720-MHP4U You can reach out to Glenn and his team. You can also email Glenn at gesterson at themhpexpert.com. And as always, you can go to Glenn's website, themhpexpert.com. And if you want to learn more about the mobile home park industry and you're just getting started, make sure you go check out Glenn's book, The Mobile Home Park Manifesto. It's available on Amazon. I think you can get it for under five bucks on Kindle. It's really great. And let's not forget about Glenn's exclusive masterclass, which used to be at priced at like a million dollars a session. And now I think it's under two ninety nine, right, Glenn? Uh, you get it wrong every time, <laughs> but I don't, we don't have a $5 Kindle. We have a $5 download on our site for the book. Gotcha. And I think the master 
of classes, three or four hundred bucks, but it's it's really good. We sell a lot of classes, and so far nobody's asked for a refund. So you know, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with that, and I've only heard you know positive you know feedback from people, but you know. I might be jaded a little bit, but yeah, it seems like a good deal out there. And I, and I would encourage anybody who's listening to it, you know, check it out and, you know, fumble around in there and you want to learn the industry. I'm here to help you. And if you don't like it, you will get your money back. Uh, Glenn, thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing vacation to everybody who's listening. Thank you for listening to the mobile home park expert podcast. I'm Jason Throton on behalf of Glenn Esterson. We will see you in a month. Thanks.